Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with Sportsnet's Ken Weeb about Winnipeg Jets training camp. We're two days in as of this recording on Friday night. And what about the Bisons football team? The U of M back on the field after almost two years. Saturday afternoon, their opener against Regina. So we'll talk to their coach, Brian Doby, on the podcast. Let us head back to Winnipeg Jets training camp as we are joined by Sportsnet's Ken Weeb, CGOB contributor. Ken, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Christian. Good evening. Uh, how are you today? I'm just enjoying a little baseball, uh, the old Jays variety, but uh, how about yourself? Everything? You have a nice summer? I did, yes. I, I saw on Twitter you golfed a lot. Uh, do you have the number <laughs> on hand, how many rounds you played? Uh, I think it's unofficially in the mid-50s, I think, right about now. So down from the last couple of years, but we had a little bit of a later start. But uh, we're very fortunate in this province, as you know, a lot of great courses and I was fortunate to have a little extra time on my hands in August, and I uh, did my best to take advantage on the links, that's for sure. One more question on golf, and then we'll talk hockey. What's your <sighs> no lowest problem. lowest round of the summer? Do you know? Uh, yes, I do know, because I, uh, of course I, you know. I shot it this week with Paul oh. Edmonds uh, and Dennis Bayek at Toulon. It was a, 70, a crisp 78 uh, this week, so... Uh, not the career low, but uh, season low, and it was a very, very solid day uh, on the links for sure. Nice. All right. Well, how does it feel to be back at training camp, covering hockey, asking questions in person, feeling kind of normal? Yeah. You know what, Christian? It's uh, It's been a great week here. I really enjoyed being at the rink the last couple of days, and I uh, had to get bundled up. Certainly a little bit different uh, being back in the, in the cold arenas, but uh, it's been awesome to be at ice level, uh, as you know. Uh, and folks know last year, uh, you know, in January at training camp, we were looking through the uh, plexiglass uh, upstairs and at some points you had to rely on a monitor. So uh, that was a first world problem, but uh, certainly nice to be back in the rink. And uh, as you've seen and listened to, uh, you know, even just from the first interview with Cole Perfetti, I mean, uh, it's a lot easier to have context and it's a lot easier for the players to know and the coaches to know where you're coming from when your questions are being asked in person. Uh, rather than over a computer screen where there are uh, various levels of engagement, if you will. So it's been an interesting uh, first couple of days here, some uh, some funny moments, some serious moments, and uh, a little bit in between, I guess, if you will, uh, from, from the podium, that's for sure. How about on the ice? What have been your, your main takeaways from the first two days of camp? Well, what I can tell you right now, uh, Nikolai Ehlers uh, absolutely flying. We saw it uh, during the Olympic qualifier as he helped lead Denmark uh, to its first uh, Olympic men's hockey berth uh, in the pre-qualifying tournament. Uh, he's been absolutely flying, and uh, that chemistry with Pierre-Luc Dubois has been quite evident uh, so far. I would say uh, you can certainly notice uh, Brendan Dillon and all of the folks that you would have talked to the last couple of days. Brendan Dillon uh, introduced himself to some of his new teammates, if you will, uh, with his physical edge. And uh, Dillon joking today that he got asked to uh, tone it down a little bit after those hits on Mark Scheifele uh, and Christian Veselina. And it was more about the hit that he didn't make uh, where he had Kyle Connor lined up. And the debate is still out on whether Dillon let up or if... Uh, Kyle Connor actually noticed him at the last second and got out of the way. So uh, I think Brendan Dillon has been noticeable. You know, some of the deep pairings, Nate Schmidt working well with Josh Morrissey. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously uh, that's what sort of stood out. David Gustafson today was one player that he didn't end up on the score sheet, but I thought he was very noticeable today. But 
Uh, he's been sort of in a fifth or sixth line role, if you will, kind of out of the gate. And again, it's important. It's only a couple of days and those guys will get their chances in the preseason to make their impact. But uh, not too many big surprises, but uh, a lot of players who are supposed to be looking good have been looking good so far. But again, it's important to remember, uh, let's see how it goes when the games get going. And this is more of a time to shake off the rust. But Ehlers and Dubois have been very noticeable in the first two scrimmages, that's for sure. Well, they've been skating with Andrew Kopp, and we, we wondered what the line configurations might end up being. And just because, as you mentioned, they're, they are what they are on day two of training camp doesn't mean we're going to see that in Anaheim in a few weeks. But the the look there, and then Paul Stasny on the wing of the third line with Lowry and Veselainen, are these combinations we could actually see in the regular season? Oh, for sure. I mean, of course, Paul Maurice is always quick to say, hey, don't read too much into things. And that's very true. But you do get a glimpse of how coaches are looking. Yes, he said it had more to do with the power play potentially, but let's not forget, Andrew Kopp played very well in his limited time with Nikolai Ehlers last year. Uh, and, you know, he's a great safety valve for Dubois, not that he needs one, but, you know, because of his defensive responsibility, that's a line that you could see working for sure. Obviously, we know that Kopp and Lowry uh, have worked in the past. Uh, you know, say what you want about the underlying numbers last year. They weren't as good as some of the previous years. But those two are a combo you can go to. Uh, Paul Stastny has looked very comfortable to me on the wing. Obviously, Christian Veselainen getting that first crack on the third line to replace Mason Appleton. Uh, a bit of an adjustment for him, being a left-handed shooter on the right-hand side. But he's a guy that has enormous potential. He has a very good shot, a quick release, but he's got to get that offensive ability translating at that NHL level. Um, when it comes to the top line, I know a lot of folks don't like it necessarily. But I would also counter only quickly by saying, let's see how it is with an improved defense core. No, there's no Dustin Bufflin back there. No, this group is not as dynamic as the 2017-18 group. But their ability to exit the zone a little bit more efficiently and cleanly, I think, might uh, pay some dividends there. I mean, Mark Shifley obviously touched on that today uh, in his comments uh, when he was asked to, from you know, Murata Tesh from The Athletic about that very thing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things shake down. I guess the other thing that also has caught my eye is that, you know, the fourth line center role is a battle that we are anticipating. And so far, Riley Nash has had two days in that slot. So we know we can play the right side, but he's at center so far. And that's left Evgeny Svechnikov on the right wing on that fourth line. And I really liked him in the pro mini camp. This is a guy that can really shoot the puck. And although he's known more for his skill from his time at Cape Breton when he was a line mate with Pierre-Luc Dubois, He's also a big physical guy, so uh, he's not only an op option for that fourth line, but he's a little bit of a safety net if Veselainen has a little bit of trouble adjusting to the right side because Svechnikov has played that off wing a little bit more. So uh, he's one of the most intriguing players in camp for me. And then, too, Jansen Harkins uh, has been skating really well out of the gate here. We know he's a guy that was disappointed in how last year went. Uh, will he be used at center? Will he be used on the wing? We'll see, but he's a guy that is really looking to make an impact in this battle for uh, fourth line or higher minutes uh, that could be available on that third line. Looking at Sunday night, the first preseason game, it's uh, 8 o'clock against the Calgary Flames. What or sorry, that's not it. I'm looking at the Ottawa. wrong date on my calendar. It is 7 o'clock against Ottawa. My bad. I was looking at the wrong date. Let's try okay, that you again. Just can't, you, you can't wait for the regular season, Christian. We want to. We want to. Uh, we want to power through these preseason yes. games. Well, totally they're understand. important. They're important, though. So, what do we know yet? What to expect from Sunday's game in terms of who's going to be out there? No, not really. I mean, I guess uh, you know Connor Hellebuck, uh, Paul Maurice mentioning 
that Hellbuck will probably get three of the games. I mean, do you get him going right out of the gate? I would imagine that Hellebuck more likely would play Wednesday's game against the Oilers, I want to say. But again, I don't know that. I'm just guessing now. I would guess he'd like to get more games going as they get closer to the end of the preseason. But I mean, I don't know that they'll have a veteran. I think they'll be very young for those two road games in, in Edmonton and Vancouver next week weekend. So, I mean, maybe Hellbuck does go in game one and, and sort of tries to get his feet under him. Obviously, that was one of the other surprises, learning that uh, Hellebuck had COVID. I mean, that was something that I, I don't think anyone was aware of uh, until he announced it at the podium the other day and uh, when he obviously uh, you know, spoke about his uh, you know, wish that he had the choice about when he was going to get vaccinated. So uh, Hellebuck obviously saying he's back to full health. That's uh, <laughs> allowing many Jets fans and probably a management team and coaching staff uh, to breathe a big sigh of relief uh, because that would be a, a rather ominous cloud hanging over the Jets uh, going into the year. But he's feeling good and he's ready to go. And uh, as usual, he has volunteered to play all 82 games while quickly understanding and, and admitting that that is not a realistic number. Uh, I think you'll see him as a workhorse again in that 60 to 62 range. But the other thing to consider too, I mean, we talked about the Olympics with Mark Shifley today. Connor Hellbuck is a real strong candidate to be the starter for Team USA. And so it's not like he's going to have a three-week vacation during the Olympic break. Here's a guy who'll be playing high leverage games uh, rather than taking a breather before the stretch run. That's right. He's going to be on the Olympic team for the U.S. for sure. Nikolai Ehlers is another lock for Denmark. Shifley is in the mix for Team Canada. I don't think he's, I, I wouldn't call him a lock, but he's certainly in the mix. And if he has a good start to the season, then for sure he'll get a look. But I just want to go back to the goaltending, Ken, because sure. in years past, Connor Hellebuck, you know, Laurent Passois was a pretty solid backup in his time here. But Eric Comrie, who's going to be tasked with the job, he doesn't have a lot of NHL experience and his NHL numbers aren't good. So what kind of uh, trepidation maybe is there or to maybe put him out there? Would they be more tempted to start Hellebuck more just because they have Comrie there now instead of Brassois? No, I mean, Christian, this is very simple. I mean, obviously we know the Jets did not have a pile of money to spend on a backup, and that's why they were not able to make a competitive offer to Lauren Brassois. Uh, Brassois probably also looking to play a few more games and going to a situation with Robin Leonard, uh, he'll probably have that opportunity, even though Leonard is obviously the clear-cut number one in Vegas. Um, so Comrie here, yes, a lot of people see loyalty. And sure, there is a loyalty element because of how long Eric Comrie has been around the organization, what he was able to do at the Manitoba Moose. But this is very simple. The Jets know that they need their backup to play 22 games. If they didn't believe that Eric Comrie could handle the job, they wouldn't have just given him a token signing and just signed him to say, hey, Thanks for your service. They know that the backup goalie could determine whether the Jets are second or sixth in the Central Division. So uh, Paul Maurice was quite adamant in, in saying that Wade Flaherty told him that Comrie was ready to handle the job. And that was one of the big reasons the Jets believe that he can handle the job and will be given the opportunity to do so. I mean, how long is the leash for Eric Comrie? That we don't know. But we know that he has put in his time and this is the first time he's really come to camp in a position to be the front runner for the backup job. And uh, knowing how hard Eric Comrie works, um, he's had success at every level he's played at, except for the NHL level. And so far, the small sample size has not been kind to him, as you've mentioned. But, I mean, he won his only start in the NHL last year. And now it's up to him to show that he can handle the job at the NHL level. What we know, Christian, for sure, he will have prepared as best he can. And 
Uh, I mean, that will give him every opportunity to succeed. And having an improved defense corps will certainly help uh, his chances of showing that he can succeed at this level. All right. Let's talk football, shall we? The Manitoba Bisons football team. It begins the 2021 season tomorrow afternoon in their homecoming game at IG Field against the Regina Rams. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff for the two teams who have not played a game in 22 months. For the U of M, it was a Hardy Cup semifinal loss in Calgary by one point. They got a touchdown at the last second. They went for two. They didn't make it, and they lose to the eventual Vanier Cup champions. Now, earlier today, I caught up with the longtime head coach of the Bisons, Brian Doby, to talk about the new season getting going. So, Brian, how does it feel that uh, in less than a day you're going to be on the sidelines coaching a football game again? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, a combination of things, uh, a combination of relief, a combination of accomplishment, a com- combination of surrealness, uh, you know, just everything. It's, you know, I, I just have to say, to start this off, I have to say that, that old adage about um, – don't know what you got until it's gone. Uh, we talked about that at the very beginning of training camp with our team at great length. It's so true. I think there's such a greater appreciation for all of this. Just, just to be back together as a program, as a team, uh, and, and now to get out, you know, now to get on the field and, you know, high level competition when the bullets are flying. Perfect. Can't wait for two o'clock tomorrow. How many players are coming back just completely motivated by that close call against Calgary in 2019? Well, uh, I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm probably speaking for our football team, uh, certainly our veterans in, in this regard. Uh, I don't have an exact number of returning veterans at my fingertips. I'm blanking out on that one, but there's, you know, there's a significant number, of course. Every one of them, um, <laughs> that has sort of been uh, in the background our rallying cry. I mean, it, it, you know, it, you know, we use all these terms, unfinished business, etc. But that game in Calgary, you know, we, we hit a 53-yard touchdown pass on a Hail Mary with zero picks left on the clock, went for two on the road at McMahon Stadium, um, you know, to, to win the game, uh, the score at that point, once we hit it, was 47-46, and we went for two to win it. And uh, actually, we executed the play almost, and uh, almost just doesn't count. But uh, uh, Calgary went on to win the Vanny Cup, and, and uh, we didn't. And, and uh, uh, that has not left our veterans. It, it's extremely motivating, not not about the University of Calgary per se, but, but about what could have been, how close were we, how good were we, all those unanswered questions, and we've had to wait two years to, to kind of move forward from that. So it's been, uh, yeah, yeah, you got a lot of people, you know, with itchy trigger, trigger fingers at this point for sure. Do you regret going for two, or do you still feel like it was the right call? Oh, listen, you know, I, I, I've been asked that. I bet you I've been asked that. I, honestly, between interviews and and. Uh, you know, other football people, friends. I, I bet you I've been asked that a couple hundred times um, over the last two years, and, and no regrets. I, I, it's a game. It, it's a competition. We're trying to win, and there's many ways to win. 
Uh, going into overtime certainly is the way to potentially win. Hitting, hitting that two-pointer from the five-yard line, you know, you go into overtime, it's tough to get to somebody's five-yard line. You don't know that, you're, that that's literally going to happen in the next sequence of plays. We were already there. There's, there's so many reasons why we did it. It wasn't uh, impromptu. It was, it was a decision that we've talked out over, over the years. We, we, it's not the first time we've done it. So um, I, I don't regret it. And had we hit it, I would have been still asked this question. How about November 2019 at Pan Stadium Calgary when you guys hit a Hail Mary and then and courageously went for two points and hit it and won and went on to the Vandate Cup? How about that side of it? So there certainly could be no regrets there. So I, I, you make decisions based on information, based on uh, your team, your personnel, uh, uh, so many different things. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. That was a decision we made, and, and that's sport. You look at those decisions when they're when they work out. Uh, everybody's a hero. When they don't, it's unfortunate. So, uh, but it has certainly uh, been a motivator uh, over the last two years to get back on the field this Saturday. Not that you need my approval, but I fully supported the decision. I support decisions of teams going for two in uh, situations where they're down one at the end of the game. Just go win the game. Just it's right there. You're a couple yards away. Go yeah. win the game. But. Thanks. I, you know, I got to tell you, you know, one of the, I appreciate that. I sincerely do. And I got to tell you, um, the uh, I, I got a whole bunch of messages from various members of the Winnipeg Bomber coaching staff on it. You know, uh, whether they whether it was guys personally talking to me in the hall. On, on their staff, some of them shoot me texts. Um, all of them saying the same thing. Would have done the same thing, coach. Would have done the same thing. You know, so but you know whether they met it or not, or being supportive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice, nice to hear that. So everybody doesn't agree with it. And again, that's sport. So yeah. What are you expecting the the game to look like tomorrow? Because these players haven't played a game in almost two years. Do you expect it to be a little bit sloppy on both sides, or what are you thinking here? Uh, you know, we've, we've had a, we had a dry run in Saskatoon last weekend. Um, it was a partial, kind of a partial game in a way. Like, um, we, we agreed we'd play sort of group one against group one against University of Saskatchewan in the first half and everybody would play the game. There were about 150 players that got into that game from both sides. That's crazy, right? So, so at least we had a dry run. We got, had our uniforms on. We got to go out the field. We got to compete. Um, you know, very limited reps because there were so many players. But but this is now different. This is not the same thing. And um, you know, honestly, it, it's very uncertain. You, you, you don't know what to expect for sure. Uh, I, you know, I mean, we've had a long training camp, as has the University of Regina, the longest training camp we've ever had because the rules allowed it because of COVID. You know, everybody being off for so long, they allowed extended training camps. So, you know, there's been a lot of preparation. Um, I think the game itself, I, I, I think, is interesting in that, um, you know, I, I think uh, both teams, when you look at their returning players for the most part, both teams have lost a lot of veteran players on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, both teams have a lot of returning veterans back on the defensive side of the ball. So, so you know, um, 
you know, it, it'll be offenses which generally get off to a slow start, uh, you know, in the sport of football compared to defenses. Uh, you've got a lot more first-year players, a lot more new players. Uh, for example, we don't have one player in our program on the offensive line. I think we have something like 16 offensive linemen. We don't have one offensive lineman left in our program after two years. They both graduated or left football. Uh, all the uh, older vets, uh, a lot of guys graduated over the last two years. So we don't have one guy left um, that, that's ever taken one snap in, in a youth sports regular season game. Not one, not one player on the offensive line. I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that scares any, any coaching staff, um, you know, so that's our great, great, great uncertainty. On the other hand, um, we've got a fifth-year quarterback in Des Catelli, who, who is arguably, the, not even arguably, he's the hardest worker in our football program. He's accomplished. He, he works butt off. He's, he's such a smart guy. Um outstanding quarterback. We've got a great group of receivers and running backs. So we have weapons. We just have to be able to use those weapons. So my fingers and toes are all across that are our, our very young and new offensive line can, can put this thing together. Do, do you have two different recruiting classes all coming in at the same time then? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, that's been another uh, craziness. It's you know, this pandemic, I, I mean, everybody knows that I'm a, a much older coach. I'm, I'm 70, age 70 is, is creeping up super fast. It's right around the corner. And, but the reason I'm saying that is because I've, I've coached for 47 years. I've never seen it, experienced anything like this. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's challenging. It's adventurous. It, it, it really is for the athletes and the coaches. We, we've got two cohort recruiting classes. That, that have never played, but by that, probably 50% of our team is made up of those athletes, uh, young guys out of high school uh, over the last couple of years, um, you know, and then and then you intertwine that with, you know, a sprinkling of vets here and a sprinkling of vets over there and, and hoping you can fast track it all. So, so there's challenges in that for sure. There, there's a big learning curve. But, you know, in all fairness, everybody across the country is in a very similar situation. I don't think anybody retained all their players over the period of, of, of being off two years. Don't forget the student-athletes. They're still going to school. They're still moving forward, and they're still graduating over the last two years. So, uh, yeah, that's the deal. It, it makes it pretty interesting. Thanks for your time, as always, Brian. Appreciate this, and uh, best of luck tomorrow and with the season. You bet. Thanks a lot, Christian. Really appreciate the call. That's the head coach of the University of Manitoba football team, Brian Doby, 2 p.m. tomorrow. They host Regina at IG Field. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but